It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. We got lots and lots to get into, but over the last couple of days... I'm going to call it a pleasure to watch the Boston Bruins live. <laughs> They're just really, really good. I know Islander fans and Ranger fans and Devil fans here in New York or fans of the Toronto Maple Leafs up north or just people that just are sick and tired of Boston having good teams don't want to hear that, but they are a terrific team. Shout out to the Islanders who really took care of the Michael K. show on Wednesday and had us in the owner's suite with John Ledecky. That was great. Moved us down to the front row behind uh, Olmark for the second period and just it really treated us very well um put us on the jumbotron that was amazing so thanks so much to the islanders for treating the k show so well but i got to see the bruins live i had not seen them live since i called the ranger bruin game back in early november uh they were great then they're even better now and it's you know it's a second of back-to-backs last night at the garden they had beat the islanders uh four to one And they got off to a great start, scored a goal a minute, 19 seconds in off a deflection from Pavel Zaka from the shot from Krejci at the point. And they just never, ever looked back. The Rangers were in it a couple of times. They killed off a long five-on-three for a minute and 42 seconds late in the first. You thought they'd get momentum, but then Pergeron scores early in the second period. And then Clifton scores early in the third. And it was pretty much over from there. Harper made it interesting with a goal with about four minutes to go, and the Rangers pulled the goaltender, so they showed some life, but it was really men against boys, which is scary because the Rangers are a good team, okay? The Rangers are certainly in competition to win the Metropolitan Division. They came within a whisker going to the Stanley Cup Final last year, and Boston is just way better. And the great thing about Boston is is that they're just there's no weakness. There really isn't. They can roll four lines. All four lines can score. Uh, their goaltending is spectacular. Their blue line is terrific. And this was a team that, what, they played the first, what, six weeks of the season without uh, Charlie McAvoy. Grizzlick is a terrific uh, player. Carlo, who had to leave the game because of injury, he's a very underrated defenseman as well. They're long in the tooth. They don't really have any, any young players. They're certainly a win-now team. But if... Uh, Sweet. If if they're not if you're not getting beating on that top line by Bergeron and Pasternak and they're playing without DeBrusque, they threw Smith on that top line and he looked like he was perfect. And you can throw Hall on the top line as well. And they just don't have a weakness. They don't. They're exceptionally well coached. Five regulation losses, only one regulation loss at home, and they're just a terrific hockey team. Now we've seen this before. You know we've seen great teams early in the season. But I don't remember, and you can remind me on social media, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct, maybe back to those Detroit teams of the late 90s, where you're just good all season. And we, we saw spurts, like Florida got off to a great start last year, Carolina too, 
you know, but this has been sustained. We're deep into January now. I mean, this is not off to a great start, kind of slow down like the Devils did. Remember, they were off to this amazing start, and then they settle down, and they have a bad couple of weeks. And, you know, we've seen it from Tampa from time to time. I mean, we've seen glimpses of a team be this good. But we're talking about from the start of the season, today's January 20th. We're well past the midway mark of the season. The Boston Bruins have played 45 games, a plus 77 goal differential. Second are the Devils and the Stars at plus 39. They've got 36 wins. 36. Second in the league is Tampa with 29. And Winnipeg's got 29. I mean, it's it's, it's sick. Points. 76 points on the season. Second is Carolina with 64. You're, you're deep into the season, and you're double digits ahead of everything. They're first in the penalty kill. Third on the power play. I mean, I had it listed last night calling the game. I wanted to give all the the stats about this team. Second in goals for, first in goals against, fifth in shots on goal per game, third on the power play, first on the penalty kill. I mean, whether you want to look at it analytically or just with your eyeballs, they're just a terrific, terrific team. And this is a team that changed their coach. Montgomery's done a terrific job. A lot of it was built by Cassidy. Wow, this Bruin team is really, really good, and I don't see a weakness, and you don't start calling for Stanley Cups in January. It doesn't work that way, not in this sport, because anything can happen. There can be injuries, trades can be made that can make other teams stiffer, and you don't know what's going to happen in a best-of-seven series, but I'm watching that team. And I've you know watching them all year, either from afar on television, listening to the games, or watching live like I did over the last couple of days. And I say to myself, can that team lose four out of seven and lose a series? Yeah, any given night. Seattle beat him the other night, four nothing in Boston, right? I mean, at any given night, you have a tough night. Goaltender stands on his head, and you beat them one nothing, two to one. Okay, I can see in a given night, but can it happen four times at the best of seven series? Right now, on January twentieth, I don't see it. Now, the good news for the rest of the league is there's three months left to play, so maybe things can change, and we'll look back and go, wow, Don, remember when we thought that Boston was unbeatable? That's what's so great about the sport and so fun about this sport, but I think people need to pay closer attention. This is just not some hot start. This This is the best team in the sport and might be the best team in sports right now. Uh, 21-1-3 and three at home, 15-4-1 and one on the road. How about this stat? So they scored the first goal last night. As I mentioned, Zaka scored a minute, 19 seconds in. They are 23-0-2 when scoring first. All we talk about in this podcast is no lead is safe and the offense is so much better. They don't lose when they score first. They don't lose when they've got a lead going into the third period. Hey, maybe the answer is they just don't lose, and they're going to be a really a tough out the rest of the way, and we'll see how things change. Again, they're a little older. You know, uh, can Bergeron, Marchand, injury kind of change all that? But, you know, Bergeron's tough, man. He took a puck to the face on Wednesday, left the game, came back. Um, from what we understand from the Boston people, it was up to Bergeron whether he's going to play or not. He decides to play because he's a hockey player, and it didn't seem to affect him at all, and he had what ended up proving to be the game-winning goal last night to make it 2 nothing after a 3-1 to victory. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Now let's look on the other side of things. Because the other team that goes in the opposite spectrum right now, and a team that I think people need to be a little bit concerned about out on the island, the Islanders. So they lost to the Bruins, and then they they get a point last night in Buffalo against the Sabres, but they blow a third-period lead. They allow 45 shots on goal. Again, I know it's the second of back-to-backs, but this team looks like a shell of itself, and it's really disconcerting if you're an Islander fan because when you look at the points... It looks like they're okay because they're tied with Pittsburgh for the final playoff spot in the East. But Pittsburgh, who has the final spot with 51 points, has three games in hand on the Islanders. Then you jumped up to 56 points with Washington as the first wild card. They have played one more game than the Islanders. The Washington's played 48 games. I think it's the most in the NHL. But they've got a five-point lead. Now, the goal differentials are plus eight, so that tells you there's something good there. But, you know, they, they're just and they're they're just an average team right now. They just don't score, and now they're allowing a lot of shots on goal, and it just seems like there's a bit of a mess there considering what they were under Barry Trotz. So I started to think about this. I was asked about it on Twitter. I saw it on Twitter. I don't know if it was asked, specifically asked to me whether I saw it on Twitter. If his name wasn't Lou Lamarillo, and he was just GMX, Yo-Yo Bumchuck, would his job be in jeopardy? Because you look at the back-to-back third-round appearances, last year they missed the playoffs, and okay, 13 games on the road to start the season, ravaged by injuries, nobody in the league, maybe in sports, was more affected by COVID, and they couldn't dig themselves out of it. But outside of getting Romanoff on the blue line, not a lot was done by Lou during the offseason. Nothing was really done at the trade deadline last year And if they end up missing the playoffs for a second consecutive year, could there be a change at the general manager position? Then I looked at it the other way. If you know the history of Lou, he has zero hesitation to make a coaching change. Lambert, first time as a head coach in the National Hockey League to replace Trotz, um, Barry, uh, um, Barry Trotz, could he possibly make a coaching change? It's not out of the realm of possibility that if things don't right themselves soon, uh, we've seen before, he did it in New Jersey. You know, he's got, he fired a coach with eight games left in a season in a year that the Devils won the Cup, if you remember. Fatorik got fired. Larry Robinson took over with eight games left because they fell out of first place. Philadelphia passed them, and he made the coaching change, and it worked. They ended up beating Philadelphia and uh, en route to a Stanley Cup championship. So I wonder, more so than focusing on, will Ledecky do anything with Lou? Will Lou do anything with Lambert? That, that to me, is more of the focused, focus out on the island for something like that. And then let's take it a step further. Because I was having this conversation with Dan Rosen for the NHL Network 
uh, at the Garden last night because I asked this to EJ. I've asked it to a lot of different people. And I even brought it up on the podcast last year. Where, where, when is it okay to talk to Joel Quinville? Now, obviously, what happened in Chicago happened. Florida had to let go of Quinville just collateral damage-wise because of everything that happened there. I don't think there's anybody that thinks that Quinville will never coach again. So the question is, when will it be okay to talk to him? And if Lou Lamorello's got the credentials that we all think that he does, and the relationship he has with Gary Batman, who, by the way, I did see on Wednesday out on the island. It was good to see him. I hadn't seen him in so long. Um, to say, hey, Gary, I th- I'm thinking of hiring Joel Quinville to save my season do you, do you think enough time has passed? Any other general manager asked that question, Gary might say, no, not enough time has passed. If it's Lou, and Lou doesn't care what people think, could Quinville be a replacement? And I have not heard this. I'm just I'm just kind of talking, and I, and, I, and I kind of bounced it off of Rosen just from the standpoint of is it is it too soon to inquire about that? Uh, is enough time passed here? And and he, he Dan agreed that Lou might be the guy to do it. And the Islanders aren't as high profile as you know Toronto or Montreal or or the Rangers or or even the Flyers, where maybe they can do it where there wouldn't be the backlash and Lou not caring about it anyway. Because you think if you're going to fire a coach, is there a coach out there that can kind of salvage the pieces that are all in place from not too long ago? playing in a Game 7, being a goal away from forcing overtime to maybe eventually go to the Stanley Cup and win it, because we all know in 2020 they would have beaten Montreal in the Stanley Cup Final. Just a thought, just something that's in my head, something that's germinated in my brain. Didn't talk to uh, any, nobody told me this. I'm just kind of throwing it out there that if there is an avenue for Quinville to come back into the league, that could be the avenue, that could be the moment, because they something needs to happen there with the Islanders and quick because I think they're very very close to fading out of this thing right now and it would be a shame because I think there's enough pieces there for them to be able to make some sort of a run Devils what a western swing right the 3-0-1 against the western western um, teams and listen none of those outside of Seattle the team they lost to last night in overtime aside um, we're not talking about great teams. I mean, the Kings are a playoff team. Sharks are not a playoff team. The Ducks are not a playoff team. But to go out there and be able to get seven of a possible eight points, kind of correct themselves, five-game winning streak. Now, no losses in their last six. They've been just incredible on the road, just two regulation losses on the road so far this season. A nice bounce back as they – they were down. Tanev scored midway through the third period to make it 3-2, but then Heashier scores late, second consecutive game on this trip in which the Devils scored late to tie the game, not as late as they did against San Jose on Monday when Hughes scored with 10 seconds to go, but Heashier scores on the deflection with 1.14 left. They eventually lose in overtime to Barakovsky's goal a minute and 10 seconds in, but the Devils playing some very good hockey, some come-from-behind hockey, and do you realize, as I mentioned before when I was talking about Boston, the Devils and the Stars are second in goal differential in the league. So it kind of just tells you the Devils are really playing some really great hockey and bouncing back after some struggles. Their goaltending has been good, too. Hughes has been a monster. Heashier has been a monster. But the Kraken, look at them. They had their eight-game losing streak snapped, right? And they ended up losing a couple of games in a row. And now here's Seattle, winners of eight of their last ten. 
and they are tied for first place in the Pacific Division and actually get the nod for the tiebreaker because of more row wins over Vegas. So Seattle's legit. I mean, they're a legit playoff team now, and they are a threat to win this division. So Seattle, a really good team there. Uh, other games of note, you know, Panthers almost have to win every single night. They did in Montreal over the Canadiens. Carolina with a nice victory, a big three-goal uh, second period to beat the Wild by the final two, uh, final score of 5-2. to two. Listen, I'm sure a lot of people will laugh at this in Minnesota, but I don't know how many people really pay attention to the Wild on a daily basis. Kaprizov is special. He's got 26 goals. He's just fun to watch. I know this is a team that doesn't have a history of being very offensive. They, you know, that kind of goes back to when Jacques Lemaire was the coach of the team when they first came into the league, and they've always had that you know nice offensive team. Whether it's Parisi, whether it's uh, Koivu, you know, not obviously they had um, Gabrick there for a while. But you don't really think of offense. But but Kaprizov is really special to watch, and I've had the the the, the pleasure of calling both Ranger Wild games this year to see him live and. He is something special with his 26th goal. Uh, Maple Leafs with a 4-1 win over the Winnipeg Jets. Usual suspects there. Marner, Matthews getting the job done. Sorry, Toronto, you're not going to win this division, but you want to get home ice in the first round. And more importantly, you don't want to fall too far where you might end up having to deal with the Boston Bruins sooner than later. Maple Leafs want to get out of the first round, avoid Boston at all costs. And so far, I don't think they have anything to worry about there. Blues continue to put pressure. That's a big win for St. Louis at home against the Predators, um, especially when you consider 1-1 tie early in the second period. And then Saad, kind of a forgotten player on that team, 14 goals. Uh, Kairou now has 21 on the season. So that's a good, good win for St. Louis. So the Blues trying to climb back into this thing. They are right now three points back at Calgary for the first wild card spot. And as far as the Central is concerned with Minnesota losing, they're five points back of the Wild. However, the Wild do have two games in hand, so it's going to be the, quite the battle there to try to make the playoffs. Capitals shut out the Coyotes' final score there was four to nothing as uh, Dylan Strom had a good night with a couple of goals. So as we mentioned, the Wild, uh, the, um, the Capitals' first wild card spot. Oilers beat the Lightning. That's saying something considering how good Tampa has been. Tampa was on the second of back-to-back, so Oilers were able to take advantage of that. Dreisaitl gets his 27th of the year. Hyman, 22. Uh, Stamkos, another big goal of his National Hockey League career as he's now tallied um, over the other night. He got his 500. He's got 503 goals now, over 1,000 points in what is going to be a future Hall of Fame career. And the Stars humble the Kings. Final score there was 4 to nothing as Sagan picks up a couple of goals for the Dallas Stars. So the Stars in that Central Division, they're the leaders, 61 points, two points over Winnipeg. Uh, and they also um, they played one more game than Winnipeg, so that's going to be a fun race in that Central Division. And as I mentioned, Dallas plus 39, second-best goal differential uh, in the league. So Winnipeg's putting some pressure. Winnipeg's won seven of their last ten, so Dallas with a big win last night. Vegas loses. That opened the door for Seattle to get first place in the Pacific Division as the Golden Knights, again, 
it's weird. They just don't play well at home. They lose to the Red Wings 3-2. to Vegas, a team that's tied for first place. These are, they're a good hockey team. Explain to me how they're 13-13-0 at home. That's an electric building. It's fun to play there. Just kind of odd why you know why teams like the Rangers struggle at home, the the Vegas Golden Knights struggle at home, the Devils haven't been able to win really. If you, if you count their losses in overtime or the shootout, they've actually lost more games at home than won the New Jersey Devils, and they're sitting in play second place in their division. It's kind of kind of crazy. You need like a, a pop psychologist to try to figure out exactly why teams play better on the road than at home. It's just just kind of strange. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Friday. You know what Friday means. Don LaGreca's Friday Top 5. We were just talking about them. Seattle's got to be number 5, plus 23 goal differential. Winners of 8 of their last 10 now. A share of first place in the Pacific Division. Martin Jones is having a resurgence to his career. And it's not really about one guy. There's a lot of guys that really contribute there. I like Seattle a lot. They crack the top 5 at number 5. Number four. Number four, those Tampa Bay Lightning. Third place in the Atlantic Division. Nobody talks about them because Boston's going to run away with this thing, but a plus 31 goal differentials up there. They're outstanding at home at 17-4-1. Stamp Coast has been hot. Kucherov has been great. You know, they're trying to stay healthy and they have been able to do it. They're very deep. Goaltending has been outstanding. They've won seven of their last ten. I've got the Tampa Bay Lightning in number four. Number three. Going to go with the Leafs. They've had their ups and downs recently, but 6-3-1 in their last 10. A couple of wins in a row. Goal differential at plus 34. Outstanding at home, 17-3-4. I worry about their goaltending, and that's always going to be a concern up there in Toronto because sometimes they do just have their meltdowns in goal. you know. And uh, I'm not really sure they've got, you know, would you, would you consider championship goaltending? Uh, in Toronto, but how many teams can we say we believe they're cup contenders and is it championship goaltending? Boston, does Boston have championship goaltending? Clearly, they're the best team in the NHL, but is Swayman and Ol- and Olmark guys that are going to be, uh, that you think of that are going to guide you to a championship? But hey, look at what Kemper was able to do in Colorado last year. So whether it's uh, Samsonov or Murray, not guys that you'll look at and say are, are tremendous goaltenders, but what's up front is just such quality. I've got Toronto at number three. 
Number two. I'm going to go with the New Jersey Devils. Again, tied for the second best goal differential of plus 39. And there's something to bouncing back. They got off to that amazing start. Everything was clicking. And then it looked like it was falling apart on them. The eight straight losses at home. Goaltending wasn't very good. And for a young team, that could be enough to kind of knock you off. But to be able to come back 7-1-2 in their last 10. Outstanding West Coast trip they just came off of. So the ability for this young team to bounce back after what was a sluggish uh, last month after the incredible start tells me there's really a lot there and Hughes has just been an absolute beast and he sheer has been outstanding as well that blue line very solid I've got New Jersey at number two number one so I have to tell you we did most of the podcast on it the Boston Bruins are number one and that's enough set all right all-star rosters are out and I know I got a lot of feedback from people on social media. How is Nate just not in? How is this guy not in? How is that guy not in? I enjoy the All-Star game. I, I, I really like this format. But but quite honestly, once you start getting into the fan vote, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to get crazy. All right, I, I know people get upset about it, and I've got my opinions and all that. But really... Honestly, it's just something to do while you're waiting for the Super Bowl. That week off where there's no football, it doesn't mean anything. Most of the time, I just can't wait for the second half of the season to start, especially the phenomenal season the NHL is having right now. It really it doesn't – I just want to get back to, uh, to, to the games at that point. So I know some people are upset about who's in, who's out, and all that. But once we got to the fan vote, really – what are you going to say about it? It's not that big of a deal to me. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but that is certainly something that's got some people's uh, underwear in a bunch, so to speak. And for me, it just uh, doesn't float my boat enough to really discuss or talk about it because once you get into 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 voting and, and bias and, and all that, you watch the National Hockey League, you know who's an all-star and who's not. And, and really, is, is, am I going to sit there and go, with Nate? well, Nate just didn't make the all-star game. Does that mean he's not a good player? No, it means that he's a fantastic player, okay? There's a lot of good players in this league right now, and there's a lot of guys that are going to feel like they got snubbed uh, and feel that they belong there. But, you know, it's I enjoy the format. It's okay. It's fine. You know, nobody's going to argue when you look at the Metropolitan Division, Sidney Crosby, Johnny Gaudreau, Kevin Hayes, Jack Hughes, Brock Nelson. Every team's got to be represented, so you're going to see some guys where you're going to have, a, you know, do they really belong there? Ovechkin's having a tremendous year. Or Timmy Panarin, you know, um, what are you going to do? You know, is he having an all-star type season? You know, in some eyes, yes. Some eyes, no. You know, um, uh, Shesterkin, I, I, name me, Sorokin's better, Sorokin's in. So I don't get that crazy about that. Uh, I got, think they got it right with Matty Berniers. He definitely deserves it in Seattle. Leon Dreisaitl is a flat-out star. <laughs> Nobody's going to question that. Um, yeah, again, I just can't get uh, overly crazy about it. It is what it is, and that's the All-Star Game, and that's going to be coming up a little bit later on in February, that weekend uh, of the off time between the championship games and the Super Bowl in the NFL and I like I like the fact that they're able to do that give it some attention but uh, I'm not going to freak out about any of the snubs and all that it's not something that I really uh, spend a lot of time about or care about so let's get to you at Don LaGreca hashtag game misconduct and let's see let's get to some of these tweets as I punch them up there let's go to Don L. Weaver says hi Don 
This is a local question for the All-Star vote last night, so we jump right into it. Rangers got Panarin, Shesterkin, Fox, and the Islanders got Sorokin. He totally deserves it, and the Devils with no extra player, at least Brat or Heeshear. Do you agree? Yeah, listen, Heeshear has definitely come on. But, again, I'm not going to freak out about it. But if Heeshear and Brat were both in the All-Star game, I think it would probably be deserving. Um, but I'm not surprised those guys are on the outside looking in uh, for sure. Uh, Jake says, hey, Don, you have been around the game a while. What is it about hockey players that make them so mentally tough? Bergeron to a slap shot to the face on Wednesday was bleeding pretty good, goes to the locker room, comes right back out, and doesn't miss a shift. It, 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 it's why I fall in love with this sport. And, and I, I don't want to come across as anti-NBA, but certainly if I have a choice between the two, I am clearly going to take the NHL. That's without question. But there's no load management. There's no questions about playing with injuries. Guys go out there and they want to play. And I don't know why. Michael asked Bobby Nystrom. We had Bobby Nystrom on the K-Show back on Wednesday. Why are hockey players so nice? I, I don't know, but I think it's the same kind of answer for why are they so tough. Because Bobby said, you, you work harder to get to the NHL. I mean, you've got parents that you drive into rinks at 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough sport to play. It's not like you just go in the backyard and play. I guess some places in Western Canada, you can hose down the backyard and create an ice surface. But, you know, especially here in the States, if you want to play. I remember my dad drove a Zamboni at Fritz Dietzel's uh, skating rink in Westwood, New Jersey. And th- there would be kids that would come in at midnight and skate. Because that was the only time you'd be able to get some ice time to practice. So you make a lot of sacrifices as families to create the atmosphere to play hockey. Alan Hahn's son, uh, if you know Alan Hahn from 98.7 ESPN New York, his son's a pretty good hockey player. And and in the summer, I tried to put put my charity softball game together in August. He says, Don, I can't do it. We're going to be in D.C. for a hockey tournament. In August, in D.C. for a guy that lives out in Suffolk County, Long Island, driving to Washington, D.C. for a hockey tournament. I had a buddy, Tom Barone, lived in Ramsey, New Jersey. I one time stumbled upon him in Toronto. His son was up there for a hockey tournament the sacrifices you have to make to be able to play the sport and i'm not saying in other sports you don't have to make sacrifices of course you do but there's more sacrifice to play and can be committed and be as good in hockey than maybe any other sport and that humbles players and maybe that makes them appreciate getting to this level more than other professional athletes so they're nicer to the media and they take they don't take for granted their ice time so Patrice Bergeron is on a team that's got a 12-point lead in first place. Nobody would have blinked an eye if he didn't come back in the game on Wednesday. Nobody would have blinked an eye if he took the game off last night. But not a hockey player. Play came back in the third period of a 4-1 game that they had in hand. And then he didn't have to play against the Rangers, did, and he scored the game-winning goal. That's why you fall in love with hockey. That's why you love this sport. Because their players are committed to a level that I don't think any other professional athlete can appreciate. You have to be committed to be able to be a professional athlete. But to do it in hockey, I just take, I think it takes it to another level and it makes you appreciate how hard they work and how nice they are because of all that stuff. Uh, Yankee and Penguin says, Hey, Don, with Pacioretty likely out for a while, could you see the Hurricanes get someone like Timo Meyer? Now, Timo Meyer is getting a lot of talk. He's got what? He's got like twenty mid-20s goals so far this year, right? Um, he's a right winger, so there's going to be a lot of attention on Kane and Meyer, and there's going to be a lot of competition because I'm sure the Rangers would want to go that route. Carolina wants to go that route. Are the, are the Islanders going to be in on anybody? There's going to be a lot of attention. San Jose is going to be the epicenter for the trade deadline if Carlson and Meyer are on the block. 
because those are going to be two of the biggest acquisitions. You talk about changing the culture. You talk about changing how a team can be perceived. You add a Timo Meyer, you add an Eric Carlson, you are going to be adding some really, really good players. So pay attention to the San Jose Sharks at the deadline. They've got some quality players. That's a lot of money, though, Don. It's From a lot. Of, I know it's a lot of money, but it's a lot of player, and it's a and it's a young player. So not everybody can be young on him, but you know what? You can get creative. You can make it work. I don't think either of those two players will be in San Jose, so it's a question of where they will be. But it's a very good point. You get caught up in all the hockey, and you don't think about the money. But there's going to be a lot of teams. The interest is there, Anthony. There's no question, and I think there's some teams that might be able to make it work. The Manwich says, will Gallant change power play number one for the Rangers, or will he continue to be stubborn? It's time to change it. It's a stagnant power play that's like one for their last 20. I don't think, uh, we talked about this last week, I don't think Vincent Trocek works. Uh, I think that sometimes Gallant gets caught up in wanting to win the faceoff, and and Trocek is probably their best faceoff man. So that might be why he's there. But he doesn't have the hands. He doesn't have the connection with Panarin that's needed on that power play. I'd like to see Philip Heedle there. I would. Now, they obviously changed with Kreider being hurt, putting Lafreniere there. That didn't work either. And then you've got guys like Heedle and Kako on that second power play unit, but they never get any time. Because the one thing the Rangers are good at on their first power play is possession time. And they'll finally be a face-off with like 24 seconds left on the power play. And that's when the second unit comes out. And that's not nearly enough time to be able to generate anything. I would like to see some major changes. Rangers do not play again until Monday against Florida. So they've got three days off here. So maybe this is the perfect opportunity to get a couple of practices in after a day off and make some changes for Florida. Because then you got Florida, you got Toronto, and you got Vegas. Three really good teams that you're going to have to play next week. And you're going to want your power play to be clicking. Now, they'll either do that, but then the Rangers will have their bye connected with the All-Star break. So they're going to play against Vegas on next Friday and then not play again until they take on Calgary at the Garden on February 6th. So either the three days here or during that break, maybe the Rangers can make some jiggling around with their um, first unit because I do think the power play, Dave says, it's stagnant. That's the perfect word for it. It's very stagnant, very predictable, easy to defend. I'm kind of saying the same thing in three different ways, but that's exactly how it works. Uh, Robbie says, love the show. After the Krakens win against the Devils, can you see this keep up and be a contender for the Western Crown? I do. I think it's open. Vegas continues to leave it open by playing so poorly uh, at home. Um, The Los Angeles Kings, I don't know if they're as good as the Seattle Kraken. I don't think they are. Um, is Calgary and Edmonton ever going to wake up and play on a consistent basis? So I do think this division is very much wide open for Seattle. I do. Dan says, hey, Don, in your opinion, is Natchez an all-star? Like many, I think he got snubbed. No question. I think he's one of the best players, if not the best players, on the Carolina Hurricanes, and that's certainly saying something. Jimmy Berger says the Bruins look scary, no doubt about it. But given their age and the clip that they're winning at, is it crazy to think they might be wearing down later in the season and we could see some market correction in their record, a bit like the Yankees in 2022? Here's why I'll say no. Now, you're right about their age. I brought that up before. It's so one negative. They don't have a young team. They've got an old team, okay? So I do think Montgomery's going to have to really jiggle some, you know, I hate to say load management, I'll say minutes management because these guys will still dress. And I don't think they'll have the second half they had in the first half because it's not necessary to. 
But when I watch them, I don't. The only player that I look at and I say, "Wow, is that sustainable?" Is Allmark because he's never played like this before. But maybe Swayman is this good. He's only been in the league a handful of years. And the way they play and they reduce the number of shots and opportunities, is it really about the goaltender? And is the goaltending numbers about the quality of play from the netminders or is it just their defensive style? There's no room out there, guys. I'm telling you. Did you see how many passes they uh, uh, they get in the way of? How many shots they block? They block like 20-plus shots a game. Anytime the Rangers try to complete a pass, it was intercepted or deflected or went off a skate. It feels like they are on the power play the entire game. I mentioned it to Dave when I was calling it. I said, when you get these teams that are this good, like the Detroit teams back uh, in the late 90s or those Montreal Canadiens teams in the 70s, it always felt like they were playing with an extra player on the ice. There's just no room. You want to know the way to beat Boston? And I'm not saying it'll work. Just shoot the puck. This is not a team you get fancy with, and that's why the Rangers are just a the Boston's a bad matchup for the Blue Shirts because they get sometimes too fancy. They think to pass first and shoot second, and you know these between the leg passes or cross ice passes against this Bruins team is just a turnover waiting to happen. So the best way is to do it is like how Harper scored top of the nearest circle, just fire it on net. Got a screen, Heedle was in the way of swimming, he didn't see it. You scored a goal. Because that's how you're going to beat Boston. Do that early. Have your goaltender stand on your head, win the game 1-0. You're not going to win a shootout. You're not going to be able to grind it out against them. They're just too good. Right now, they're just too good. So, Jimmy, I understand your concerns. But right now, it's not like, oh, my God, Hall's playing out of his mind. Marchand's playing out of his mind. Can you believe this? No, they're, they're just a really, really good, solid hockey team. And I don't think anybody right now, as we do this broadcast at 118, Eastern time on January 20th that there's a team that's remotely close to them right now. Remotely close. All right, this was fun. Went a little late, but I had a lot on my mind. We'll be back with you again on Monday. We'll try to hook up with EJ. No holiday on Monday, so we should have no problem doing that. Uh, get to EJ, get his thoughts on the Bruins, get his thoughts on the possibility of some you know movings and shakings out there out on the island. You know, he's got his ear to the ground, so we'll be able to get some information there. I will have no hockey this weekend, which is great, so I'll be spending some time with the family. I got the pre and post on Monday for the Panthers and the Rangers. My next game is in Toronto on Wednesday, so I'm looking forward to that. So if you want to get in touch with me, the best way to always do that is at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy all the football. Enjoy all the hockey. We'll talk again on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.